Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Our gospel today is a mere two lines of scripture. And boy, does it sound encouraging. Jesus said, whoever welcomes you welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. But things are not always as they seem. These lines are the continuation and ending to the missionary discourse in the Gospel of Matthew that we have been reading the last few weeks. Jesus is sending the disciples out to spread the good news. The kingdom of God has come near, and it is their job to tell the world about it. These folks will go out as the representatives of Jesus, and to reject them would be to reject Jesus, God himself. And while the word reward may bring up thoughts of cash and fabulous prizes, here it conjures thoughts of rejection, torture, and martyrdom. Prophets and the righteous aren't made healthy, wealthy, and wise by God, except maybe in Proverbs. Most of the time, they struggle, are in pain, and die some pretty gruesome deaths. But their reward comes at the time of death in this life, when they are reborn into the next. But the message we can't ignore in these mere two lines of scripture is that we are, at our core, a missionary church. We are called to go out and preach the gospel, no matter what the reception, no matter what the consequences. We used to think we had to travel far and wide to labor in those fields. That mission, evangelism, conversion only happened in faraway places like Honduras or Haiti or some far-off country in Africa. But we are living in a culture that is ripe for the picking. The harvest is still plentiful and the laborers are still few. We like to stay in our safe places. We like to tell ourselves we can just show up at church on Sunday mornings occasionally, check the box, guard our hearts, and fulfill all righteousness. But God is calling us out into the world. He is calling us out like sheep among wolves. God has given us many gifts, and we are not supposed to sit around and just be delighted in them. We are not called to just be believers, but rather we are called to be disciples. We are called to be evangelists. We are called to tell everyone the kingdom of God has come near. And we cannot control the reaction to that message. When we were in Tennessee, I was desperate to grow something outside of our tiny little duplex on top of the holy mountain. Back in the rainforest that is Florida, I had many large flower beds. The soil was rich, and pretty much everything I planted grew completely unassisted. Especially before seminary, 
I was a little more of a laissez-faire gardener, or as my husband likes to call it, survival of the fittest. (laughs) But in Tennessee, the soil was dense, red clay. We didn't seem to get much sun, and I really couldn't figure out what would live outside of our tiny house. So I planted all sorts of stuff, and all of it promptly died. I always had a few containers of seasonal flowers, mums or pansies usually, but anything I planted in the ground never survived. And yet, every hike we went on reminded us of how rich this mountain soil really was. We could walk trails and see wildflowers as far as the eye could see. Early spring brought daffodils and snowdrops. Summer brought sunflowers or coneflowers. And yet, the ground outside our duplex remained bare. One day, in a fit of frustration, I threw handfuls of wildflower seeds around the house and waited. Now, a satisfying end to this story would be about how I walked out one morning to a lush field of flowers and how that bed of flowers is still there today, decorating the duplex for the next seminarians. Alas, One day, I walked out to find one little flower blooming, and then it died. (laughs) Years later, that duplex is still there, still housing a seminarian or two, and still bare. No matter how hard I tried, I could not force those seeds to grow. As much of a gardener as I had fancied myself in the wild jungle that is Florida, Tennessee taught me how much of my gardening was dependent on God. His soil, his seeds, his plants, his water, his weather. And it's something I've considered ever since when I think about our ministry. When proclaiming the gospel, the good news, we can only plant the seeds. We can only invite others to come and see and let the Holy Spirit work from there. We cannot bully others into belief. We cannot guilt others into faith. We cannot tell others how to act as disciples of Christ. We can only lead the horse to water. Tell them how crisp and delicious the water is. And hope that maybe one day in God's time, they decide to drink from the living waters. You don't have to force someone to come to church. You don't have to be responsible for their spiritual growth or help them become the world's best Christian. You definitely shouldn't declare them sinful and condemn them damned if they aren't Christian. You don't have to do anything except scatter the seed of the good news. And then you can enjoy the harvest. One of my favorite things about being a priest is getting to hear people's stories of how they came to be where they are on their spiritual journey. And I've heard it all. Sometimes God tells someone to veer left into the parking lot of a church. Sometimes people see a burning bush or have the Holy Spirit descend upon them like a dove. But most of the time, people end up becoming Christians because their friend or neighbor invited them to come to church one Sunday. Or that cute teenage girl invited them to a youth group trip when they were just a high school boy. Or their mom dragged them to church when they were a kid, even though they didn't want to go. 
Planting seeds doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be knocking on doors and handing out Bibles. Most of the time, it's as simple as the Crucio mantra. Make a friend, be a friend, bring a friend to Christ. Planting seeds can sometimes seem a futile task, but a lot of times we won't even see the end of the story. People come to Christ in their own time. God spends years working on some folks, and sometimes the person that planted the seed won't ever know how they changed that convert's life. Hearing these stories takes a lot of pressure off us, the sowers. We can plant the seeds, but it is up to God to help them grow. And it is in his time, not ours. At one time, we trained missionaries to go spread the gospel to the ends of the earth as Christ Christ commanded. These days, there are still many who sit in the dark. And they are not overseas in a faraway land. They are our people, our friends, our family. People who speak our language, who eat our food who live in our neighborhoods. Most of them will not wander into our churches on Sunday. Most of them will not care about our liturgy or which hymns we sing. Most of them do not even know they are sitting in the dark. I often hear people proudly say, the Episcopal Church is the best kept secret in America. That is not something to be proud of. The Episcopal Church is only a secret because we aren't talking about it. The love of God, as opposed to the constant refrains of legalism and judgment, is only a secret because we aren't talking about it. The good news of the gospel is only a secret because we aren't talking about it. This is your wake-up call. This is the time to talk to people about your faith, your walk with God, your church. People are reevaluating their lives. They are bumping up against hard things and sharp edges in this world. And many have found something lacking. Ask them if they have a church home. Offer to bring them to your church one Sunday so they don't have to walk in alone. Invite them to come meet Jesus. Plant those seeds and reap the rewards. Amen.